With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Bluff. I'm along with my colleague, Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers for The Athletic, and we do this little post-race podcast each week after the NASCAR races in IndyCar and F1 and whatever's going on. But, you know, one of our themes all season has been, oh, you know, is there a possibility <laughs> they can get to 16 winners? And, you know, typically our, you know, no, we, we poo-poo it. It's no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> don't, don't pay any attention to this. It's not a real storyline. It's just a fantasy, not realistic. Well, might need to rethink this one, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, door is certainly open. I'm curious if anybody walks through it. Um, but the idea that we could have more winners than playoff spots certainly feels I don't know. I don't want to say like realistic, but it feels doable. Does that make probably a better word? Like you could see it. You, it's conceivable, I guess. Like, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think the percentage is high, but I could see a path, especially with these tracks you got coming up two road courses, Michigan, which I think is going to be wild. And then Daytona, like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I think it's all changed now. Christopher Bell has become the 14th different winner of the season in the first 20 races. There's six races to go into the playoffs. And I think the door is wide open for some absolute chaos. You always say you're, you're team chaos. Team chaos, baby. So this must be a good thing for you. And I, I think, honestly, like this really changes the, the dynamic of everything we talk about. Um, and, and really, I think it extends to so many things about what you think about NASCAR. Like, you know, you, you take Kevin Harvick, for instance, right? And, you know, they've been looking at things and going, okay, well, look, well, you know, yeah, we haven't won, but let's just run well. You know, let's just keep doing what we can do, take what we can get, and, you know, keep piling up the points, which is what you would do in every other NASCAR season, essentially, right? And, you know, they've gotten up to ninth in points, despite not having, you know, the, the strength that we've seen in the past from them. But it's a very respectable, good season. And yet, He's now, what, 68 points out of the playoff spot because the cutoff line is all the way up to fourth in points. Martin Truex Jr. moved up to fourth in points this, uh, today at New Hampshire. And he is in legit real danger of missing the playoffs if somebody below him in points wins a race, like a Kevin Harvick or, or whoever who hasn't won yet. Um, then you go Ryan Blaney. He dropped a third in points today, but still having a very good season, hasn't won yet. And there's a real possibility. It's not like some far out distant thing anymore. It's a real possibility because you, you could say, oh, well, let's say there's uh, somebody wins on fuel mileage at Pocono or something. Right. And then nobody else knew wins 
Um, you know, and, and it's the regular season finale, and there's 15 different winners, and Blaney's still he's still good or whatever, right? But then Daytona, I mean, you you don't want to be like, oh well, I'm good unless some something crazy happens at Daytona, which it happens a lot. So like, that's not a good. I mean, it. Man, I tell you what, this uh, it's it's just all change right now, Jordan. Like everything's, it's all changing. I go back to a conversation I had with Ryan Blaney at Atlanta, and I asked him. I said, "There's a way like you could miss the playoffs and finish second in the season standing." He's like, "I know." I go, "How often do you think about that?" He's like, "Eh, you, you know, I don't really think about it too much. I don't really look at it, but he's, yeah, it's it's out there, and it's kind of impacted their strategy a little bit too because they have raced for points the last few weeks. You go back to Road America; they took a stage win there instead of track position, which cost them any opportunity to win a race. And they've kind of played that game a little bit. And now you kind of got to flip it where them winning the regular season championship is probably not up to it's attainable, but they would need a lot of help for that to happen right now. They got to be worried about forget points. Like you got to worry about getting a win and the schedule sets up well for him because Daytona is really one of his best tracks. He should be, he won at Michigan a year ago. He's good at Pocono. He's won there before, but like, you got to forget stage points, forget track position and getting yourself set up for stages and finishes, anything like that. You just need to do whatever you can to win a race. That That's it. And it doesn't matter if you finish second point, third in points. There's a chance that you may not miss the playoffs. And Martin Truex Jr. is a great example, Jeff. And you talked about the guy's fourth in points and had really a very good year. Like they haven't won a race. They, they probably have some races you look back on this year and you go, yeah, they probably should have won here, here, and here. And for a variety of reasons, it hasn't happened. But they're still having a darn good year, and never before in the playoff era have we had a driver this high in the points not make the the playoffs. But guess what? That's very realistically could happen. Yeah, I don't know what the exact number is, but I want to say maybe like eighth or ninth has it missed. Feels right, yeah, yeah. But nobody, certainly nobody in the top five in points has, has come close to missing it. I mean, that's absurd. I mean, it's it's crazy. But I think that's what I'm talking about with everything changing and that, like, Ryan Blaney right now, like you're saying, okay, so now he's 78 points out. There's, like you said, there's really no point in trying to go for the regular season title and point your way in that way because it, it's, it's too far. You know, Elliott's running really well. You know, he's not going to collapse over six races and, and you're suddenly going to catch him and pass him the way Blaney's been running um, without a win. Um, so you're right. I mean, because it's like, oh, well, you know, we'd maybe we'd still want to be second or third in points and make sure we maintain that position and not take any gambles because we need those the playoff points that would come with that. But you got to make it first. And right now, <laughs> all that matters is is like throwing Hail Marys out there, it seems like, to try to make it. I mean, that would be my strategy. And the same with Truex because, you know, it, it, does, it just doesn't matter. Like, if you get into the playoff, and I think Truex has a bunch of stage wins and stuff, it just doesn't matter if you mm-hmm. miss. So you got to make it. So I think you're you're going to see a bunch of teams. I mean, whether it's Harvick, Truex, Blaney, and then certainly you know anybody you know like a Bubba Walls type. Their sole goal these next six races should be just like, dude, let's do whatever nobody else does. Let's try some crazy setups. Let's. I mean, they they have to go for it and. That's so such a different, you know, sort of vast departure than the traditional NASCAR mentality. Because even with the win to get in system, it's always been like, well, you could still point your way in if you have a really good, consistent season. So there's, you know, it's a couple <laughs> ways to get in. Not this year. <laughs> not that 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 path is is going away. It's like um, some movie where the the hero's running and the the path is crumbling and he's trying to stay ahead of it and jump over, 
you know, escape the fire pit kind of thing, you know, before it all collapses down. And it's just, um, it's crazy. It's crazy, but it's very interesting and it makes it super compelling. Um, you know, what's, what's weird, Jordan is, um, and I think maybe, I guess maybe I'm, I don't feel this way cause I'm, I just, I've, I've, I've accepted it by now, but I saw a lot of blowback on Twitter, um, after the race of people saying, well, this is evidence that they should get rid of this point system or that this point system doesn't work that this no. point system. And I feel the opposite, right? Like, I feel like, no, like this is, this is better. <laughs> this is, this is how it should be. This is, they created this to be entertaining and people saying, well, it's, it's crazy that somebody could have such a good season, you know, be third or fourth in points and miss the playoffs. But it's not like this is a new thing. Everybody starts the year with the same rules. The rules are, you know, if you win, you will get in likely, Maybe not this year, but, um, <laughs> you know, a, a win is, is your opportunity to, and you have 26 races to win. I have a very hard time drumming up sympathy as good of a season as Blaney and Truex have had, for instance, if they somehow miss because they didn't win a race, they had 26 chances to do it. Somebody else did it. Somebody else played the, the system and followed the rules, how you're supposed to, or, you know, how it's set up to be, you know, it's designed. So that's it. So that's the format. And they give you all sorts of wild card races and all sorts of different tracks. And if you can't get it done, I, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, that, that sucks that they had a really great consistent season, but they weren't quite good enough. So, and, and also if you weren't quite good enough to win in 26 races, what are you going to do in the playoffs anyway? You can't really point your way through the rounds without many playoff points. So I, I like it how it's set up now, honestly. I mean, I think that the, you know, you wanted more emphasis on winning. You got it. I mean, that was Brian France's whole thing. And I know Brian France did a lot of bad things at the same time. But, um, gosh, like, it's it's hard to argue that this has made the season very exciting and compelling. And I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm all about it right now. Winning should be the most important thing. I and mean, winning a race and the benefits that brings should be the most important thing every single week. And this format, especially this year, underscores that and emphasizes that that you need to win consistency is great and everything and that's going to help you in the big picture but to get championship eligibility you need to win a race that is it and i look back i'm starting to look back now i go back to you know daytona 500 ryan blaney almost won that race his teammate austin cinder put a block on him doesn't win that race marv Truex jr at nashville really good car some pit strat they, they make a bad pit call or he, he makes a mistake late comes down pit road, you know, loses all the track position, doesn't have a chance to win late. Today, great dominating performance by Truex, leads over half the laps of this race, wins two stages. They have the pit strategy that, uh, you know, is questionable and, you know, finishes, what, fourth or fifth, and it's it feels like a loss. And it's like all of these little things are just adding up, and it's like, great, I, I know you had a great year, and you, you strung together a bunch of top tens, you led laps and everything, but you got to figure out a way to win and it, you, you can't make any excuses. At the end of the day, you had 26 chances to win a race and you failed to do that. That's on you. And I think it extends to, you know, like you think about Chase Elliott, right? He was so disappointed to finish second today and you could watch his interview with Parker Kligerman and go, ah, oh, he's beating himself up. It's he's being too hard on himself. Like he used to be. I don't think he is though, because think about this. Like what does second place mean to Chase Elliott? He's already, well ahead of uh, second in the points, 67-point lead over Ross Chastain. 
He wants those five playoff points. And if he doesn't get them, he came away. He basically came away whether whether he finished um, second today or 30th. It doesn't really change anything. He had zero playoff points today, and it did nothing toward his season, essentially. Well, so, I mean, if he'd finished 30th today, though, Ross would have picked up a bunch of points on him. And then the regular season points, you know. So, I mean, yeah, would you still be worried about it? I mean, you're, he's still running so well. I don't want to throw away points. I mean, if I'm, if I'm in his position, I don't want to throw away points. I'm, I'm, I can understand him beating himself up, but I think looking at the bigger picture too, saying, "Hey, we finished top two last four races, and we're doing pretty good right now. We got two of those have been wins." Like, I'm like, and we extended our points lead in the in the standings. Like, I'm feeling pretty good about that because winning the regular season is going to mean something, and the bonus points you get for that are going to help you and go a long way. Yeah, I just don't think I think he is such a big lead at this point that no, I mean, I even agree. if you shave off you shave thirty points off his lead, he's still fine. He's still gonna you know. But you know, you look at Bubba Wallace, okay, you know, he finishes third. Great day for him. A very complete race for him. Arguably well, um, his best race in his career, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, because the you know, you take away the super speedways, which, you know, that's a whole different skill set. Um, this was a really good race, but then you get out of the car, you're third, and What's you know you say, nothing. "Well, man, I mean, if a couple things gone differently, track position wise, maybe they could have been up there." And and you kind of walk away saying, "Ah," but again, this is in a, you know, look, I I've never been a, a big uh, you know Brian France guy over the years, right? But this is what they were trying to do with this system and and eliminate guys getting out of their car and saying, "Ah, oh, we had a good points day." That was the whole that was the whole point of the points, um, and. You know, I, I think when you look at it, you know, we, we talked for so long, oh, these, this summer stretch of, of races is just irrelevant. Like nobody cares. doesn't matter. Um, you know, Pocono, Michigan, New Hampshire, like, ugh, like what, you know, doesn't get anybody really fired up. And now you look at it and I think it's made all these races super interesting and compelling, you know, oh, Atlanta, you know, can Corey LaJoy win this race and, and could that you know, shake up playoff picture if he was getting able to get into the top 30 or whatever, you know, the Christopher Bell factor, the Tyler Reddick factor, Suarez, um, people like that. And, and the more different winners, I mean, you know, it's like now you, you can't wait to the next week to see what happens. Like, Whoa, Pocono, geez, what's going to happen at Pocono? What's going to happen at Michigan? Uh, Indy road course. Oh my. Right. Like, and I think that just I mean, NASCAR has just had a tremendous season that, that in that sense. I mean, there was this video that Bob Pockers posted. I don't know. I think it was about maybe a month ago. I don't know what track it was at. He was interviewing Denny Hamlin, and he had asked Denny Hamlin, like, hey, have you talked to Kurt Busch about, like, hey, you need to be up in points, you know, just in case there's 16 different winners. And Hamlin basically, like, laughed and was like, oh, you'll be lucky. You know, they'll be lucky to get 14. Like, well, here we are. Uh, there's 14 right there and six races still to go. So, um, man, I think all those guys, you know, who have one win and are down there, um, which, you know, Chase Briscoe's the lowest right now, but sitting a mere nine points ahead of Chase Briscoe is Tyler Reddick. Another five points ahead of that is Daniel Suarez. Another six points ahead of that is Kurt Busch. Another four points ahead of that is Austin Sindrick. So that's a bunch of drivers all within a very, very, very tight group and who are probably suddenly getting a little bit nervous when they thought before when they won, we're in the playoffs, and now it's like, mm, maybe. So, What looms large, large to me is Denny Hammond winning the Coca-Cola 600. 
because without that win, his season takes on a whole different complexion. All of a right, sudden, because he's he's lower he's than 19, all yeah, of those. He's buried yeah. in points, and he's down to the first guy. And now, but he's got two wins. He's in the playoffs, and he's got twelve bonus points, playoff points to go with it. Like so, he's going to go from guy who potentially could not make the playoffs to guy who was going to be ranked high. And you're looking at it going, okay, he's going to be one of the contenders now. That to me is like one of those races that just completely flips. It's crazy. I mean, Denny Hamlin, even now, is below Eric Jones in the points, and yet he's locked in. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, uh, but like you said, without that second win, um, we would be talking about him as as a guy that's really in trouble. Um, but it's crazy, too. I mean, you, you think about guys that have good seasons. I mean, whether it's a William Byron, I mean, Harvick is ahead of William Byron in points, and yet Harvick's in big trouble, but William Byron doesn't have to worry. You know, it's just, it's crazy, man. It's, yeah, and yeah. Harvick's. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm using this in air quotes, so don't call me wrong. Harvick's the huge loser in this as well, because he came into this race 19 points behind Christopher Bell. You and I talked about this, I think, two weeks ago. You asked me like, who? who we both agreed, like, we thought Bell versus Harvick. Harvick had the advantage, right? Well, yeah, no Bell, contest. No, no contest. Well, Bell's got his win. He should be in the playoffs now. Harvick is running, by the way, much, much better. Consistently running top five running really well, putting the, he's starting to look kind of like Kevin Harvick, right? Like, now, though, he leaves here today, Bell wins the race, and it drops him to, what's the cutoff now, 66 points-ish, somewhere in there, 60? Yeah, I think it was 68. Yeah, 68, yeah, so 60-something. 60 so 60-something. Yeah. Like, you got you're, you can't make that up in six races, like, unless something just catastrophic happens. Like, you're, you're racing for wins. Now, it helps that you've got speed, and you're doing better, but you, you got to figure out a win one of these next six races. And the schedule sets up well for him, but still, that's not a spot you want to be in. Like, we're, we're realistically, the way it is, Kevin Harvick, who two years ago dominated NASCAR, won everything there was to win, it felt like. And, you know, just it's not winning. And all of a sudden, he's going to be out of the playoffs. Not even make the playoffs. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's even even without the wins, it's sort of inconceivable to think Kevin Harvick would not be a playoff driver to me. I mean, that's wow. That's, His last, I mean, if I'm this is the top of my head, I think the last time he missed it was 09. Is that right? right? I'd have to, I'm sure it's a long time ago. Uh, I'm but, looking right now. I'm going to look. Um, I think it's like 09. It's crazy. It's a crazy streak. Certainly not in this era and in this playoff format. I mean, that's, you know, he's been. You know, certainly he has he has more Final Four appearances in his career than times he's missed. That's for sure. 2019, so, or I'm sorry, 2009 was the last year he finished 19th in points that year. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, look, the guy's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer, and you know. But look, I mean, when you don't win, and this is the system. Whew. Yeah. Crazy, crazy things happen, and I'll tell you what, too. You know, a, a lot of things right now are going to come down to you know, who's good on what type of tracks and, you know, like Truex, for instance, right? I mean, two of these last six races are road courses and Toyota Gibbs has been completely out to lunch on road courses. So normally you'd say, oh, Truex, oh, he can go to Watkins Glen and do really well, but they haven't shown any signs at all that they're going to... They've shown no improvements. Yeah. I mean, I think you would maybe think that Richmond is... Richmond would be a great track for him. I mean, like they've got speed. They were fast there earlier this year. He was had the best car there, arguably. Like that is probably the track. I'd throw Michigan that bunch too. They seem to have their intermediate track program right now. 
let's throw another point in you. Like, he's not a bad super speedway racer by any means. He's usually in contention and has found himself in the mix, but he's never won a super speedway race before. That's worth noting when you go to Daytona. Sure. And you don't think you, I mean, you certainly wouldn't go there counting. Well, I'll just go win Daytona and make it, <laughs> yeah, you know. Good, good luck on that. I mean, you're going to have guys, you're going to have like Austin Dillon, Michael McDowell, Justin Bubba Haley, Bubba Wallace, uh, Jones. Busher, Stenhouse, Jones. It's a long those guys list. are going to be throwing huge haymakers and Hail Marys going all blow. out. I can't wait. It's gonna, It's why Daytona, like, I, I'm all for tradition and everything, but them moving Daytona to the last regular season race was like a brilliant masterstroke move. Like, it is incredible the drama that they have now in the last cutoff race. I mean, seriously, that's the way the season's shaping up. You know, before the year, I did like a list of most anticipated races. Yeah, yeah. The, the race I was looking forward to the most, and obviously the Clash was number one, and I was really hyped about that. And I, I feel still feel like that was the most enjoyable experience of the year. But, you know, I right now, of the races I'm looking at, of course, you know, you get fired up about Martinsville normally, but Martinsville, you know, wasn't a good race last time. Uh, Phoenix, you get excited for the championship. You know, that's tough to dispute. But looking at the races that are left, I mean, you're like, wow, Daytona regular season finale is going to be like, a potential all-timer <laughs> of like just craziness so it was ninth on your preseason list by the way oh wow thanks that was uh quick that you looked that up i had it. i actually just read it the other day i was looking up something that you wrote so oh okay so yeah no that's uh i don't know man like this is uh this has been very very fun with this new car i i don't know you know i don't know if this if it's always going to be like this with the new car um obviously everybody has the same stuff or once people hit on their setups and start learning it more, we'll see sort of like certain teams dominate more races. Plus an off but, season too to tinker with it. That's right. Yeah. And then they'll have learned so much. So maybe this is a, and that's why we should enjoy this. I think all the more, right? We don't know if this is going to be like this forever. This might be a one-time thing. You, you know, this time next year, we could have only had nine different winners or something, you know, and be like, Oh, this two or three guys are dominating the season back to how it was. So I really think anybody that is into this format should definitely soak it up and appreciate it now because, um, this hasn't happened very often. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, they said 2011 was the last time there was 14 different winners in the first 20 races. And, uh, it's only happened three times in the modern era before that. So, I mean, you, you got to appreciate it while it happens, I think. And, um, I'm certainly, I'm certainly looking forward to what's what's coming next because I have no idea. That's that's one thing about this year too. We nobody has any idea what's going to happen week to week. Um, well, so. we got an idea. I mean, we thought Christopher Bell was going to be good today. So, well, you you thought he could be like a long shot or something. But, but. I mean, I think most people thought coming in like Joe Gibbs Racing was going to be in contention. So I'm going to put you in the hot spot, Jeff. Yes or no? Do we get more winners than playoff spots? No. No, but, but I would say the reason I say that is because my tiny brain can't even fathom that. <laughs> so I, I can't imagine that. I know. I just can't imagine that. I just, I'm the same it, way. It seems like, so improbable, but I mean, yeah. it's improbable that it's even gotten to this point. So, but anyway, going back to your other point too, about thinking that Bell and Toyota were going to be good today. I, I'll, I'll throw my self on my uh, on the sword for this you know i i didn't i thought toyota would be fine but i thought this was gonna be a ford day Same i thought though. this was Same gonna agree. be 
um, you know, I, I saw Gateway and I thought, okay, this is a lot like Gateway and, um, and maybe a little Phoenix sprinkled in. Ford's won Phoenix and uh, Gateway. And Joey Logano did really well. Uh, Gateway seemed to, you know, have the fastest car. He won that race. And I thought this would be a Blaney or Logano day, to be I honest had Blaney, with you. You had Logano. So, I mean, it just shows you. I mean, yeah. And, and it, it ended up being more of like a, I mean, Hendrick actually made a lot of gains compared to where they were at yes. Gateway. They looked really much improved, I thought. Elliot um, was a player today. Larson was in the top 10 throughout. Byron came up through the end. Bowman, that's a whole different conversation right there with Bowman's going the wrong way in a hurry. And that season is just bad. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're sort of spiraling. That said, he is still 11th in points. Yeah. So, so he actually is not even really in that conversation of the people with one win who could drop at the moment i mean he he hasn't he has a bunch of dnfs recently but he's still okay yeah. relatively okay um which is it's it's surprising because it seems like yeah they've they've just spiraled but but anyway no i thought i thought it was going to be you know we we're, t- we we're going to be talking about blaney's first win or um yeah i just yeah man it's it's just <laughs> it's just hard to predict it's hard to, and, it, and they're also even too they're also close um you know elliot really thought there at the end that he had a better car than Bell, and he just screwed up. But I don't know. It's uh, it's tough, tough to tell right now. It's I, I still don't. I mean, we talk about it every week, but I mean, I, I guess you still, you know, this week we still feel like Elliot's probably the favorite. I but... think he's clearly he's like he's he's found that another gear. Like they're knocking him out right now. They're leading laps. They're finishing the top two. Like they're doing the things that you want to see out of your title can winning races like they're doing it right now when you're mad and angry that you're finishing second like <laughs> you're you're, you're kind of living good right now hey, i have a question for you so nascar ruled last so christopher bell at atlanta his uh tire came off on yep. pit road all the other tires this year when they've come off uh it's been a four-week suspension for the crew chief and tire changer whatever right um this time nascar said well you know, he didn't leave pit road. You know, he was kind of just, the tire just went kind of one stall down, went out to the middle of pit road, wobbled, came back. So they, there was no penalty. Mm-hmm. Would this race have had a different outcome today if he had had pit crew members penalized and Adam Stevens had not been at the track? Would we have been ha- talking about a different outcome, do you think? I don't think the crew chief is an issue because, I mean, the crew chief is still heavily involved we know that right like whether they're they're somewhere close to the track you know chiming in or they're back at the the war room like they they still have a very large voice and we have seen temporary crew chiefs win races many many times it happened earlier this year at the 600 with denny hamlin the issue though is the crew guys and that i can't give you an answer for i don't know because we know that christopher bell's team's had issues on pit road this year so now you're taking two guys away from a team that's already a little shall we say wobbly and they just got, I mean, he just got two of Bubba Wallace's crew members. They yep. just had that switch or whatever it was. And they don't have a lot of depth. Denny Hamlin talked about that last week of how how they're kind of doing it with JGR. They don't have their Xfinity crew guys doing cup and vice versa. Like, it's just, they don't have a deep bench right now. And that's part of been the issue is like making, you know, people have been hollering for change. Like, you can't just change for the sake of change. Like, we don't have guys to bring in. I think that's the biggest thing is losing those two two crew members. You probably are 
different today. I mean, you probably don't. They were flawless on pit road, but who's to say that they don't have one mistake? And that that's the difference. I, I, I that's where I'm going with it. I and I agree because if you would have had to take, you know, more backup pit crew guys from whatever team, uh, on you know, add them to a team that's already been struggling. Maybe it's a different outcome. I mean, yeah. it's so that that penalty, non-penalty really could have played a big factor in how this whole playoff thing unfolds. So crazy, crazy how that works. Um, and we'll see. Uh, there was another loose wheel today that didn't leave pit road or wheel that came off. So. Austin Cindric's car. Yeah. So now we'll see. Um, and that one went further down pit road. So, I, I mean. I guess it should still be fine, but I, I don't know. I'm very curious to see the ruling on this. I don't like that it's Subjective. that we don't know, though. I don't like it either. Like we should know is. automatically. It should. Like, if the wheel comes off, like, before, like, the wheel came off, you knew it was a penalty. Now it's like, well, it came off on pit road. Did it impact anybody? Like, I don't, we've talked about, I do not like gray. I do not, I want black or white. Like, when it comes to rules, it either is or it isn't. I don't want, like, interpretation. Yeah. Yeah, I guess in that sense, I kind of wish that um, Bell's team would have been penalized just because it would have felt consistent with what we've seen. I hadn't known the pit road rule necessarily before that, and if that is a rule, that's fine, I guess. But it, it's a, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of confusing. Agreed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So one thing I wanted to ask you, and I've talked about this a couple tweet-ups, and I can't remember if we talked about it in here or not, but how would you feel about them changing the rule that if you win a race you're in and you know we're we just we're talking about simplicity with like the tire coming off what what harm would it do i guess or or how would it change things if they said look if you win a race and you're in the top 30 you're in the playoffs and then we'll just eliminate if if there's any additional winners like if there's 17 then we'll just eliminate five people in round one instead of four like that would that be bad? Cause I, I kind of don't really like the, I, I think it would be better and easier to, for people to understand if they just say, look, this guy won and he's in now it's obviously it's become, well, now he's won and he's in the, maybe in the playoffs. Well, maybe if he gets a second win or he's high <laughs> enough in points, it, I don't know. Like, I don't think that they probably would have thought this was a thing they'd have to deal with, yeah. uh, when they made this format, but would that be a good tweak or would you not be in favor of that? I'd be fine with that just for simplicity's sake. Like if hey, winning a regular season race is 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 get you in and you don't have to worry about. It. I would actually go further than this. I, I agree with your your proposal. I would actually eliminate the top thirty rule. I'm I, with you on that. I would say like let's use Corey LaJoy because that's probably the best thing. Like if a driver and now a driver has to enter every race. I'm not. They I don't have want to be full time. Full time driver. They've got to enter every race unless you get a waiver for a legitimate reason. But like, go back a week. Like It's the same thing. If Corey LaJoy would have won that race last week, it would have been like, oh, my God, great win, blah, blah, blah. But we all would have had to say, like, the caveat, however, he may not be – he's not playoff eligible right now. Like, right. And that that ruins kind of the narrative a little bit. But if you really want to add drama and make it even more – you want to add more fireworks to this, 
go to Daytona and like Corey LaJoy knows I don't have to worry about finishing top 30 in points. I know if I can go there and win a race, you know, like it just, it opens it up. So I, I, I like your idea. I, I don't think it's a thing that you're going to be really dealing with every single year. I mean, this really is the first time in the playoff era. We've kind of, been, this is the, or since this format, I guess so it was 2014. We've really kind of even like kind of pushed up against it and we're still not even there yet. Like I'm okay with it. Cause I don't think it's going to be an issue all the time. And it just, it, like you said, for the casual person at home, it's like, oh, okay, they're in the playoffs. You win a race, boom, easy. You know, you don't have any caveats on the explanations. It just eliminates all that mumbo jumbo that can people get lost in the weeds about. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm I was trying to think through it and think, well, would that take away from any of the drama? I don't think it would because you'd still go to Daytona. Like, let's say you had 16 winners already or something, mm-hmm. right? You'd still go to Daytona and say, well, there's still somebody a chance for one more person to go all out winner mm-hmm. in. So it wouldn't like detract from it. You would just wouldn't have the storyline of, Oh, they're going to knock out a current winner or something like, I, I don't know. I just like that. I like the winner in thing. If that's going to be the format, make that the format and just eliminate sure. any complications. And I think too, the top 30 thing, you know, at, at this point having charters, just say if you're a full-time charter driver, and you know, no matter where you are in points, if you win a race, you make the playoffs. Period. Yeah. So it opens um, up a lot more. Yeah. Well, boy, we have a lot more to talk about um, because a lot of stuff happened this week. Um, I guess first of all, uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on the Tyler Reddick situation with twenty three eleven, um, the announcement that was dropped on everybody on Tuesday in an unusual manner. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, is How's that going to shake out? I, I wrote about this in The Athletic, and you can read my column there on this, but uh, the synopsis is, I think this is a great move. Tyler Reddick was a driver coveted by several prominent teams. Like He was a guy that, when his contract was up after 23, like other teams were looking at him saying, this is the guy we want. And he is a guy, Denny Hamlin said he's a franchise driver, and I think that's the best way. And you have an opportunity to get a driver like this, I think you go do it. And what impressed me most about this move about 2311 was one, they went and did it. But so often in these scenarios when drivers are available or contracts got to be done, we hear from teams, oh, we got to figure out the sponsor thing and then the charter and we got to figure out all of these questions and then we'll sign the driver at the end, right? What happens with it? Screw it. This guy's available. We know he's a talent. He's a stud. We're going to put him in our race car. We'll figure out where he's going to be, <laughs> which car. We're going to have three cars, two cars, who he's going to replace. We don't care. All of that stuff will figure itself out. I thought it was ambitious and admirable that a team like this went out and did this. And like they didn't wait. They didn't they didn't try to play their they didn't try to wait it out. They didn't try to come in the back door. They didn't try to they cheap out on or anything like that. It was like, nope, we're gonna come in and we're gonna get it and we're gonna get it now. It's gonna be an awkward thing. Whatever, we'll deal with it. I, I think kudos to them for doing it. And it's the third year in a row where they have made a big headline. And that's that's a that's that's admirable as well. Well, I agree with all that. And since you covered it from the team side, I'll, I want to cover it from the Reddick side. You know, sometimes you don't really know what's going through some of these drivers' heads and you don't know, um, you know, are they going to stay loyal? You know, we saw Kyle Larson, it seemed like he might have stayed loyal to, to Ganassi too long, right? Um, and Because once he got in a, a really good car, an exceptional car, he was really able to show his talents. Um and, you know, I think Reddick, we feel like, has a world of potential. 
And you're just like, I don't know, like what's what's going to happen with that? Like, is he going to be watching out for his future now? Is he going to wait till next year and see what happens? You know, as it turned out, he had his eye on 2311 all along and liked what they were doing over there and said, OK, well, look, I'm, I'm going to follow my word uh, and, and not try to do something weird like Alex Pillow, which we'll talk about later, I guess, um, <laughs> where two teams sign me at once for the same year. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can, give everything I can to, um, you know, to, to Richard Childress and, and, and follow that the option that they had. They picked up his contract option. And I'm going to stay true to that and give him everything I have. And then we'll focus on 2311 later. And, uh, you know, I think that's the right way to do it because you're securing your future. Um, you're making sure you're, you're setting yourself up well. Um, and you're, you're also giving your team plenty of notice to try to think of find somebody else. Now I was quite puzzled by the Childress, uh, statement that said the timing, you know, couldn't have been worse for this. I think the timing, you know, they did not do it in the playoffs. Okay. Um, you know, that wasn't a, a distraction. They didn't do it. Uh, he didn't wait till next year or something. I mean, he told them, like, hey, I'm looking to do this, and this is what I'm going to do. And I, I, They had know, plenty of notice. Yeah. I don't know why they were so upset. I mean, unless they were working on, like, a sponsorship, you know, yes. and, and it, that cost them. But still, he's not going to be there, so you want people to – you don't want to be lying to people. That, that's a good question. And I kind of – I asked Richard Childers this week. I went up to uh, north of Charlotte this week to talk to Richard. And Richard didn't really want to talk about it much. He like, he's kept deferring to the statement, like, Hey, the statement speaks for itself, blah, blah, blah. But I said, Hey, well, two things. One is Reddit going to be in your car next year. Yes. And then I, and I followed up, like, what was it about the timing of this that made it bad for RCR? And he's like, all of the reasons you would expect. And I said, okay, is that sponsorship? Is that, and he's like, that would be on that list. And so, but again, to your point, you have like, you, you, very rarely does a sponsor not sign on thinking that the driver's not going to be there. And I don't know if they're trying to work on t- like a one-year deal for next year or something, but I don't know. I, I, I have a really hard time feeling like I don't understand RCR's perspective on this. Like, I feel like Tyler gave him plenty of notice. You can go out now and do what you want to do and make your decision. Cause you know, well in advance, I, I, I have a really hard time. My sympathy for them is, is not that high. I feel it's the right thing to do. And you can also say, look, this guy's going to be a real talent we have here at RCR next year. Come sponsor him for a year. Sure. And then maybe then maybe then you can retain him if, you know, retain that sponsor or whatever. But anyway, I I get they're upset. I mean, it's like a breakup. Right. So, I mean, nobody's going to be happy about it. But, you know, look, you got to he's got to watch out for his future. RCR has been winning races like that. So. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, uh, shifting gears a little bit, Jordan, um, I actually wasn't able to watch the, uh, Xfinity race. I saw, uh, looked like there was some interesting things happening in that race, but, uh, I was out at the NHRA race in Denver, um, for at least on Saturday on, on Sunday, you know, I felt like I had to kind of be in front of my TV here at home to, uh, to watch NASCAR and do this podcast and stuff. But, um, you know, 
I, I just, uh, I, I got to tell you about NHRA for a little bit, if you, if you don't mind. Please. I'm always uh, excited to talk about NHRA because great show. Always fun to be there. And you actually picked the best day to go. I always think Saturday is better to go than Sunday. Eliminations are on Sunday, but you actually see more cars on the track throughout the day if you go Friday or Saturday. Yeah. And I, I won't, I won't make this too long for people who aren't drag racing fans, but I, I got to just got to sort of gush for a minute about uh, the experience. I, I hadn't been to a drag race probably in, I don't know, seven years maybe uh, since Charlotte. Um, I used to cover both Pomona races and a Vegas race um, when I worked at a newspaper in Southern California way back in the day. And I always enjoyed it. And I was, you know, everybody was always accessible and things like that. But, you know, just seeing everybody walking around um, at the race just uh, kind of just blows you away at the access you can get. And, uh, you know, like, like, let me give you some media pass wise, right? There's no like media pass for a special area. It's like a ticket essentially to get through the gate because once you're in, you have the same access everybody else does, you know, like, you know, you, you always hear that every ticket is a pit pass stuff for NHRA. And it's just amazing how, you know, especially us being at like formula one this year, which is like the exact opposite where we couldn't even, you know, barely see the cars, even as media people going to NHRA where, you know, everybody's like right outside people's pits. I mean, you're meeting every driver, you know, they're all accessible autographs. You're, you're seeing them work on their cars. Um, you know, it's, it's just, they have the fan experience down so well there. And, uh, you know, I was, I was talking to the president of the NHRA, talk about accessible. He came up to me and wanted to chat for about 15 minutes or 20 minutes or something. And, uh, look at you just name dropping. Well, I, I mean, I no, I, they were the ones that were doing the accident. Like I, I just showed you're, up and you're Jeff Gluck. You're a big deal. No, I, that's, Jeff Gluck no, shows up just, at your event. You know, you are legit. Oh, please, please. Anyway, but he made a great point, which is that, you know, like right now with all the like inflation going on and gas prices and stuff, uh, you know, people are, you know, we could be looking at cutbacks, right. With a potential recession coming up, all that, all that kind of stuff. And, they so I I knew they had like a you could bring in a kid twelve and under for free there. They allow you to bring four kids twelve and under per adult. So if you oh. were like two parents or you know whoever two adults, you could bring in eight kids for free to no. an NHRA race. Hard pass. You could though. I know you I, wouldn't. I could. But you could. I won't. So I was just I was walking around marveling at it because I'm like man you know so the adults okay so they spend like. 50 bucks a ticket, right? So it's, I don't know, 100 bucks. They could get like basically 10 people there for 100 bucks, spend the entire day, you know, walk around all the, you know, see see the racing, obviously, but then, you know, talk to the drivers, go to like the experiences they have. I was just like, man, okay, like this is, you know, it, we, we talk about value on here, tickets and stuff sometimes. So I thought I would bring that up as part of the conversation. This is not an ad, nobody asked me to say this or anything. I just wanted to pass that along to people. If you're looking to go do something and you're a race fan, NHRA, man, like that's, that would be a great place to go spend a day. In my opinion. It is cool. Like if you've never been, it's something I highly recommend checking out. Even if you're not really like a car guy per se or anything like that, just to go to experience it. Cause the sights and the sounds of NHRA are on. It's, it's incredible. And I will say this. I always do this. 
if you've never been, if I take someone to an NHRA race and they've never been before, I position them right behind one of the nitro cars as they're warming up in the pit lane to make sure they get blasted with nitro because it's like, it's an experience. It, it's, you can't describe it. No. It's incredible. They kept saying, oh, you know, do you want to go down do to the Christmas tree? Oh, you I've, go? No, I, I've done that twice before. And oh. I'm, I've, no, I, you can't breathe. There's tears rolling down your face. You're like, Ugh. it's amazing. How can you, you can't pass. Oh my goodness. I know you've done it before, but like if they offer, no, you gotta I, go. I'm, I'm good. No, no, I've done it twice. I'm good. I don't need oh. to stand behind. The ground shakes like underneath you. It feels like, I mean, I've never been in an earthquake before, but I imagine it's probably something maybe similar. To, I don't know. It's no, just, it's, it's nuts. Not. I've okay, been well, in a bad earthquake shake. before. Yeah. Don't. Okay. Well, yeah. hmm. Not that, but I get your point. I get your point. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was one thing I want to talk about. The other thing, um, before we get to the uh, Alex Pelot thing, well, let's do the Alex Pelot thing first, and we'll, we'll talk about the good race poll. I know people, I don't know. I guess we have to talk about it. But uh, So Alex Pelot, uh <laughs> overshadowed the Reddick thing. <laughs> what, a, what a, you know, bizarre situation. So, so bizarre, in fact, that people in NHRA, like, it, they, they were talking about that over there when I was talking to people walking around. I was talking to Ron Caps, and we were talking about Pelot. I mean, like, that captured the attention of the entire racing world, which, in a sense, um, that's great for IndyCar. The drama is fantastic. <laughs> we kept, we've been talking on this show, like, what, you know, what can IndyCar do to, like, get people talking about them? That's it. That's it, right? Like, I mean... Um, Alex Pelot said, you know, Ganassi comes out and says, Hey, we've resigned. Uh, you know, we picked up the option on, on our defending series champion here, our young driver. <laughs> He'll be back with the team next year. Here's a quote from him. Here's a quote from chip. It's all good. Alex Pelot tweets. Uh, it come, it's come to my attention that chip Ganassi put out a press release saying I was coming back next year. I never gave this quote. This is, I never approved this press release and I'm not coming back next year. I told them that. Then McLaren comes out with a release. We've signed Alex Pelot for next year. Two teams say they've signed Alex Pelot for next year. Uh, what the hell is going on? Uh, I, I mean, what, what a strange situation. It seems like Ganassi did hold some sort of option. Uh, Pelot clearly is trying to force his way out of that. He, he told, I, I believe he said, told Indy Star that he has 100% of control over his situation. So I don't know if their dispute over over the option itself, um, it's a very strange situation. I, I can't wait to, for more details to come out uh, because uh, also, according to the Indy Star, Chip Ganassi, even after Scott Dixon won the race in Toronto today, Chip Ganassi would not do an interview uh, even about the Dixon part of it. He declined a interview request. So Ganassi's not talking. That team's very tight lipped. Uh, they're both claiming Alex Pelot is going to be on their team next year. Uh, McLaren has signed like a bajillion drivers for a bunch of seats and they haven't said where everybody's going. Uh, <laughs> fascinating, fascinating stuff, but it gets people talking. And uh, look, I think it's, I think that's actually pretty good for IndyCar. It might not be fun for Ganassi, the, the team right now, but um, I think it's it certainly got attention. It's as, as somebody who is kind of on the outside, if you will, it's fantastic. Like it is like, I'm laughing. It is. You feel for chip Ganassi because they have long struggled to find a bona fide number two driver since Dario Franchitti stepped away. 
Like it has just been a succession of drivers. Kanan, Ed Jones, uh, Rosenquist. You finally find this guy, Alex Pelot, who you sign. And everybody's like, who? Why? Like, what did he do? Like, he goes there, wins the championship, and backs it up. He's third in points this year. So it's not like it's a fluke or anything. He's the real deal. He's young. He's he's the guy that you can – whenever Scott Dixon decides to retire, he's the guy that you – he's the franchise, right? Like, he's the next building block. If You're in a good spot, and you lose that. And it's like, how? Like, I don't know how this happened. And you don't – you rarely see Chip Ganassi get caught in this position. And I would surmise that Ganassi's will, unwillingness to discuss this is because – you can't say anything publicly that this is all going lawyers. I mean, this is all going to be, you know, billable hours is the only winner here. <laughs> and, and like, and like, that's the thing. Like, and it, to me, it's also fascinating of like Zach Brown comes in from F1 and has an F1 mentality on a lot of this stuff. And F1 is very cutthroat and they don't care and contracts be damned, whatever. They're going to figure out a way, every loophole. And this is a, in some ways this is like a new age way of doing things, I guess, in IndyCar where you've got somebody who is from the outside and he's not here to, to play by the, the rules that are, or follow the procedures that were in place before. It's just fascinating. And as your point, Jeff, like he signed Rossi, he signed Rosenquist, he signed Polo. And it's like, okay. And we're going to maybe stick a guy over here in Formula E for a year. And then they, they've got Pato award and, and yeah. you know, they've got Colton Herta already in their F1 testing program. Yeah. Um, and, and I think what's, you know, you, you, you have to look at it and be like, well, why wouldn't somebody leave Chip Ganassi? I mean, they have the best cars. I mean, they, they just won the Indy 500. I mean, they won the championship last year. Why would somebody want to leave? I mean, you can't just say it's money. I, I, you would have to think that maybe the F1 carrot of like, okay, who wants to replace Daniel Ricardo sweepstakes, mm -hmm. um, step right up. And, and, you know, but the thing is all these you know, Colton, uh, award below, they can't all replace him, but do that? Do drivers think, Hey, look, I I'm good. And I know if I had a chance to get an F one car and test and, and beat those other guys, I could show them. That's my, that's my chance to get to F one. So like, is this, is that what this is all about? Like is Pelot jumping to McLaren so he can have a chance to maybe get in that F one car and beat Herda and award like because otherwise I don't understand why you would leave in the first place I mean money's money but I just it just doesn't make sense to me I, it's it's fascinating and it's an interesting care to dangle if you're Zach Brown like why not you've yeah. got it in your arsenal put it in front of them because basically at the end of the day if you give every one of them a shot you're really not out anything and ultimately their performance on the track is going to dictate who gets that ride? If Alex jumps in that car and blows the doors off a of Herta and award, then it's pretty clear that what you're going to do, or if it's Herta that does that, I mean, it's so you let that you, they're ultimately going to settle it among themselves. You don't have to necessarily make that decision. And so why not dangle that carrot in front of them? Why not put it out there and say, Hey, listen, you want your shot. Here's your opportunity. It's like, why not? Well, and from, you know, from Zach Brown's perspective, maybe it's that, Hey, you sign these guys too, and and you can, you can put them in your IndyCar program. But also, like, s some of them are closer to super licenses than others. I mean, don't forget for those of you who don't know, you know, to get into F1, you have to have a super license with a certain amount of points. And IndyCar, 
you know, even Fernando Alonso has said IndyCar deserves more super license points to be sort of like a potential feeder system in a way. Um, you just don't get a lot. And so, like, I think right now it's that Herta would have to get all the way up to like third in points this year um, in, in the IndyCar standings to have a chance uh, to even get a super license. Well, Polo already has, you know, his championship. If he has another good year um, and, you know, is, is able to get up there in the, in the championship again um, and gets those test sessions and all that stuff that you need to, maybe he's closer to getting one than award or, or hurt or something. I, I don't know, but um, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I can't wait till the full story comes out of all that's happening because I think there's a lot left to be uh, left to be reported and said, but um, certainly interesting. But one, th- one thing I want to talk about too, as long as we're on the IndyCar topic, you know, Scott Dixon wins the race, first win of the year, moves into a tie for second with Mario Andretti on the all-time list. But um, this race was Peacock only, and everybody knew that when they signed their TV deal with NBC, part of it was, hey, we're going to give you a bunch of races on NBC. Great. Um, that's, I mean, I th- they have, they're on there all the time. That's wonderful. But we're going to put one of the races on Peacock only. So I'm a Peacock subscriber, so I was able to watch it. But what I thought was interesting, Jordan, that I guess maybe I didn't expect was there were still commercials, like full screen commercials during the, I'm paying for this race, right? I'm paying Mm -hmm. to watch this content Mm -hmm. on a service. And I guess, you know, you pay to watch on cable and you see commercials on cable, but I'm paying in addition to (laughs) what I would pay for cable. I'm paying for Peacock, right? And they're still showing me commercials. And I was just like, man, like that's, I don't really like, I'm, I'm okay with a paywall, but I guess I was thinking maybe there wouldn't be so many ads. Uh, not there was a ton, but I was just like kind of annoyed at that. Like, why, why are there, why are there commercials on, you know, like not to toot our own horn, but on the athletic part of the deal is you, you sign up to the athletic to read sports journalism. You're not getting a, but you're you're not getting any pop-up ads or stuff in your face or autoplay videos or whatever, right? Like you paid to read this. So we're not going to like drown you in advertisements. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I don't know. That was a little bit of a little bit annoying, but I'm curious to see what the numbers are for this race, because this is certainly something that other series, particularly NASCAR is watching to see how many people are gravitating towards this. Um, are new people signing up? Is this a way that is this a, if you go to a streaming, is it only a thing that you're really kind of limiting yourself to, um, you know, hardcore fans who are into your product? Is there a way, how do casual fans find you? Um, there's, this is, this is an interesting test run and this is going to be, but will we ever know the numbers? Um, like, because it's streaming or yeah, I don't do know. I mean, those num- these things tend to get out a little bit. So, you know, you might see this. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's not something that it's, it's easily accessible, but I mean, seriously, like how many people do you think watched if like on a normal NBC race, I don't know. You, let's say you get like a million people or something to watch IndyCar. Sure. I mean, are we talking like who, how many people, I mean, are we talking like less than a hundred thousand watch this race today? I don't know, but that's a good thing to say though, is that if you're, if you're a series, you're saying, okay, we're willing to, we're going to recognize that only 10% of our normal viewership is going to watch this race. Now, is that an acceptable number for you in terms of the payoff? 
it's kind of like the situation where NASCAR took a lot of money back in 13 for, you know, the 2000, the, this TV contract they're in now, where they took a lot of money with the knowledge that, hey, the trade-off is you're going to be on cable a lot. Now, in retrospect, would you have done that at the time? Yes, because you got a bunch of money, and it's kept that sport afloat, and really, especially through the the, the um, pandemic. Now, though, it's like, you know, you want to be a network. So what's the trade-off? And that it's going to be interesting to see. And how do you approach this if you're a sponsor? Um, I, and I talked to a lot of teams kind of about this last year and what their approach to this is. And my question was, you know, do you care? How, how do you tell your sponsors that you guys are going to be on a streaming service? And they, some of them said to me, honestly, it doesn't matter to us because we're running in the mid-pack on back and we're not really seen on TV anyway. So we're not really having to worry about going to our com- you know, companies and saying, hey, sorry, you're losing out on this. There were, though, some bigger players with some bigger teams that said it is a concern for us because we've got guys who are running up front and our cars are frequently featured. And now all of a sudden that number that that audience is going down. So it's it, it's very curious to see how you navigate this going forward because it's not just a NASCAR thing either. I mean, every sports league now, NFL's got Amazon. Um, you know, all the college football packages are probably or to some degree are going to be pushed onto that. It, this is a sports thing, and it's and to me it always comes back to to grow your base. And we've had this conversation so many times, Jeff. Like you have to make your product accessible. And but when you put it on a streaming service, you, it feels like you're narrowing it a little bit. And so, I don't. What is that trade off? Are you willing to do one or two races a year because the money's good and that's okay? We're going to throw two races away because you still got thirty four other races a year. I don't know. I don't really answer that question, but it's something that's uh, it's worth following. No, I think it's. I think there's going to be a balance that people have to figure out because I mean, you look at the dirt streaming services like whether it's World of Outlaws on Dirt Vision or all the stuff on Flow Racing. And, you know, those are expensive subscriptions. Those are pricey. And you get a lot for it. But, like, for instance, right, like the Knoxville Nationals is going to be on Dirt Vision only, but it's not even just the monthly Dirt Vision. It's like you have to buy the annual subscription uh, to Dirt Vision. And you think, wow, like the Knoxville Nationals is such a mega event. It's one of my favorite events of the entire year. Unfortunately, I don't think I can go this year. But, um, you know, I, I, I absolutely love that race. And you think, wow, how much bigger could this be? Or like, how much bigger could the Chili Bowl be, uh, you know, during the week if it wasn't all on streaming and they were showing, showing it on, you know, a more accessible like cable or, or whatever. Sure. Um, but they obviously make enough money off these things that it's worth it to them. But, but it, 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 like you're saying, it shrinks the uh, potential fan base because you pretty much already have to be a hardcore fan like no casual fans going to go buy peacock to watch indycar you know what i mean you already have to be like well i'm i'm a huge indycar fan so i'm going to go do this um but any new indycar fans like you missed out on them today like they heard the indycar races on oh it is oh toronto okay i'll watch oh it's on peacock only well i'm not going to pay for that you know what i mean so um i don't know like i i it's it's very interesting to see what that balance is and what it's going to be going forward because i think it's still such a new thing that Everybody's trying to figure it out, but um, certainly something to watch and, and a growing trend that we're, it's just, like you said, it's just getting started. So let's talk about the What's a Good Race poll uh, unpleasantness this week. Um, first of all, um, you would have won anyway. Okay. I just want to, can you say, I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. My, my, no, I mean, I, that's, that's not, that has nothing to do I'm with sorry, the, I didn't hear it again. Can you say it again? Yeah, you would have won. 
For so, how many times in a row? What is it? Would have been seven or eight? Oh, seven, I, was, I think. I think it was seven, eight right? or nine, wasn't it? it was... I, I don't know. Uh, Big Joe Wall sent me a DM saying he didn't know how to score the poll this week. I All told I know him, is it's a W, baby. You would have won either way. All that matters. Here's what happened on the poll. Well, let me let me back up. Um, earlier this year, one of the early races, uh, I saw, I noticed like a little bit of strange movement in the poll. Because what happens is, I've, I've noticed, I mean, I've been doing this poll since 2016. The, the honest truth is, whatever happens in like the first 15 minutes of the poll, like those first couple thousand votes or whatever, mm-hmm. that is pretty much going to be the result within you know, maybe three to 5% and, and really probably doesn't even move that much uh, after the first, you know, after the first amount of votes come in, that's enough of like a sample that that's going to be essentially the poll of after 24 hours. Um, you can tell, I mean, yeah, it might move a little bit, but not a lot. So I think earlier this year, it maybe moved like 5% suddenly. And I got really, I was like, what, what the hell just happened? Like, how did it, it, it either went up or down. I can't remember what race it was for. Fortunately, enough votes came in to like restore it. Like it went back to normal, uh, to where it was before that. But I thought that was really unusual. So I started Googling and it turns out you can buy thousands of votes for Twitter polls. You just Google how to buy votes. People can buy votes just like you can buy Twitter accounts or whatever for bots. I don't know why people do this. But you, you can essentially manipulate or rig a Twitter poll. And so I've been very conscious of this um, since that time. Well, it happened. It happened uh, with this Atlanta poll. Uh, it was polling in the low 80s after the first couple hours, really. All of a sudden, after the first couple hours, it plummeted about 15 to 20% down to like 63%, 65%, something like that. Highly unusual movement. I had screenshots. I had other people uh, vouch for this. Of course, I had the people on Twitter saying, oh, you're saying it, it's rigged just because you didn't like the result. No, that's not that's true. I thought. I thought you just got sick of losing. Okay, well, anyway, the truth is I don't care. I'm not judging the result. What I'm judging is it moved a crazy amount. And uh, this guy, Ron H456 or whatever, the stats guy, who's always, he's always making charts and stuff. He's some sort of like statistician or something. He went back and calculated how many votes it would have taken to move it. Uh, Basically, if there was 6,000 no votes, all of a sudden at once, it would have moved at the exact amount. So I think that's what happened. Somebody bought 6,000 no votes. They paid money for this. They didn't want the Atlanta race to be, have a decent result or whatever. They Maybe they hate new Atlanta and it tanked it. It eventually recovered to like 67% or something, but Bottom line is I couldn't now tell people on Twitter, oh, this was the poll result this week. And look, you and, you know, not that it's a scientific poll, but, you know, I mean, people take it kind of semi seriously or they they feel like it's a accurate reflection of what happened uh, or somewhat accurate. And, you know, so I'm not going to I'm not going to keep doing that with people knowing now that it can be manipulated. And so I was honest about it. So um, I'm going to try to do the poll this week for New Hampshire, not on Twitter. I mean, I'll tweet a link on Twitter, but I'm going to try to do another polling service. I've been looking all week. I think I might just do a Google form or something like that. Parker Kligerman had tweeted suggesting one. I looked into it and like 
it costs a lot of money. Like it costs like 80 something dollars a month or whatever, like to have people respond to that poll. Cause if it, 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 you have to pay by the amount of people who respond. I'm having like 31,000 responses on some of these polls. I don't want to pay. I mean, no offense. I don't care that much about it. So, um, Anyway, we're going to try this. We're going to try a little bit different way. Last week's poll didn't count. I didn't put on the official results. You can have it for a win. I don't care. But anyway, so the bottom line is the was it a good race poll is either about to die um, and it will go away forever and it was a good run before we people decided we can't have nice things or I will figure out another way to do it. Obviously, it's going to be harder to vote. Because you're going to have to not just going to be able to vote from Twitter. You're going to have to go to some link and people aren't going to want to do that. So I'm sure the votes will be way down the number. But those are the only solutions I can think of. Um, some people suggested shortening the time window so that people wouldn't have time to rig it and buy the votes. But I haven't really looked into like how quickly you can buy them or whatever. So uh, I know a lot of people... Some people are, are listening to this and being like, I don't care about this at all. A lot of people do care about it though and they took some pride in being able to express their voice this way. So I'm kind of bummed. And I personally enjoyed, you know, over the years since, you know, six years now or whatever, uh, looking at the results and seeing how this stacked up and seeing how the racing changed and people's opinions change of things over time. Um, so I'm kind of bummed and disappointed that it's maybe coming to an end or likely coming to an end. But, um, anyway, that's, that's the, that's that, Jordan. Can you just say again that I won the last week? You won. You won. Thank now, you. This uh, look on your face, by the way, is precious. I don't. I, that's not what I'm worried about. I I I lost, but I I was going to have time to come back. But now the poll might be dead after this week. So, anyway, what's your guess for this potentially final? Was it a good race poll ever? <laughs> if it doesn't annoyed work, annoyed look on your. I love annoying you. It really, it's a highlight of my week every week. Uh, uh, 58%. Seriously? Are you trying to you look at, hand me a free one? Well, I mean, you look like you're going to cry, so maybe. I don't What's wrong with 58? This you was think, not. Was this race that bad? You, we mess, in this, the first. Yeah, I was messaging you during stage one and two. Stage one and two sucked. That was boring. Okay. The stage three was better. That was way uh, better. I agree. I meant, I, meant, uh, I actually, my takeaway from this race is actually, I thought this was a good race. Like I was entertained by this race. I thought the end was I mean, really stage good. Stage three. Like, I thought the drama, it. the drama, yeah, I agree. The drama was really good. The pitch strategy was interesting. Um, how teams played it was, I, I, I didn't walk away from the race going, oh my God, this is awful. But again, it's not what we think. It's what we think people are going to vote. And, I think largely people think are going to look at this. 58 seems low. Well, you know what? Why don't you let the guy who's won a bunch in a row have his moment here, and then you can talk. <laughs> Please, go ahead, sir. <laughs> uh, so I think people are going to knock it on that. They're going to focus on the first two stages. Not a lot of passing. It was a track position race, largely. And New Hampshire does not have a reputation for being the most... Uh, I don't know. What would you call it, Jeff? Like the most fan. It's not one of the tracks that fans like gravitate towards. So I think that's, that's going to factor into this. All right. Floor is yours. Um, what was yours? 58. 
58.1. Okay. All right. So um, just hypothetically speaking, just curious um, for my own knowledge, how does one go about rigging this poll? So I, just just curious for my own curiosity's sake, if I wanted to like hypothetically want to like make sure that this was like 57%. Well, that's, that's the problem. I'm, I'm trying to come up with a way that it is harder to manipulate it. And I think I'm going to have to like, if I do like a Google forms, then I'm, I'm going to have to make it so that people can't stuff the ballot box. They're going to have to freaking like sign in with their email address or something, which is going to be super annoying uh, for people. But unless you create like a bunch of fake Gmail addresses and sign in with every single one working on that now. Okay. Well, um, good. Uh, start, start signing up, start signing up for Gmail. If that's what it is. Uh, anyway, well, uh, Pocono next week should be interesting. Um, really don't know what to expect at all. Really. I, I mean, last year's races, we had two dramatic finishes in both races last year. So who knows? Yeah, but with this car, I mean, I have no idea what to do. I'm, like, I'm very curious because big flat track, like we've seen shorter flat track this year and we know how that worked, but like a bigger flat track, I don't know. We'll see. No idea. A lot of drafting. I mean, drafting, I right? Yeah, you yeah. think. We'll see. Yeah, Plus, only one Pocono race this year, too. That's right. That's right. And uh, F1 is back next week, uh, SRX finale next week. Um, so, yeah, still lots to talk about. And we'll be back with you to uh, discuss it all. Anyway, everybody, thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next time on The Teardown.